And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. This is the second part of our series, Love Your Neighbor, and Pastor Zach kicked things off last week with a great message on uh, when we love our neighbors, we can change the world. And so I want to keep with that same theme this morning, um, and I, we want to look at a powerful teaching that Jesus has taught us, but um, before we get into all of that, uh, how many of you were raised on Mr. Rogers? Yeah. Got an applause. That's good. Yeah. He got, he's got a fan club back there. Uh, I happen to know every word to that song <clears throat> through osmosis. That's because I tried. My brother used to watch that show when I, he was little, and I was a covert watcher. You know, it was too cool for me to, at my age, to watch Mr. Rogers, but uh, behind the scenes, you know, I was watching and I was paying attention. You know, for 33 years, people visited Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. And, um, you know, he's such a cool dude. Um, and he just always had great content, great lessons. And the major- if, you, if you paid attention, the majority of the messages that Mr. Rogers taught was how to be a good neighbor. Um, because it was all about his neighborhood. But did you notice as the video was coming up, it had Mr. Rogers talks about kindness and unkindness. And that's because Mr. Rogers didn't have a perfect neighborhood. And we don't either. We are living in a world that uh, has a lot of division. And there's tension that seems to be rising almost daily. But can I tell you that God is not overcome by this. God, it did not take God by surprise the, the uh, things that we're experiencing today. Matter of fact, God wants us, you and I, the church, to be a catalyst at this moment, to take the opportunity to lead in bringing peace to the tension that's in our neighborhood, <laughs> in our neighborhood, in our neighborhoods, and in our communities, in our world today, and that's through loving other people. I realize that um, when we say loving everyone around us is easier said than done because loving people is messy. And Pastor Terrell says that the ministry is brutal. It's both beautiful and brutal. And that's because loving people can be messy. You see, we come into life and we, we plan out our life and we have these nice, neat little agendas that we want our life, this is what we want our life to live up to. But can I tell you this morning that it doesn't always happen that way. God likes to change that mindset, that agenda that we have in order to do his work, sometimes it messes up what we want to do. And it gets a little messy. I'm going to open up this morning by talking about uh, a powerful story where Jesus talks about how to be a good neighbor, how to love people around us. 
Our theme verse is Matthew chapter 22, verses 35 through 40. But before you turn there, I'm going to kind of flip the script. And I actually want to use this same discourse that Jesus talks about in Matthew 22. But I want to look at it in Luke chapter 10. So if you have your Bible, your devices, whatever you're, you have for the Word of God, if you want to look at the big screen, we've got it there. Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse 25. It says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Now, I want to stop there a second because Jesus never answers the question of who is my neighbor because he assumes that everyone around you is your neighbor. But Jesus, in the story that he begins to tell to this experienced law professor, was how do I love my neighbor? And so beginning in verse 30, once again, Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. A temple assistant, or a Levite in other translations, walked by and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man, and if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who, attacked, who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked? The man replied, the one who showed mercy. Jesus then said, Jesus, yes, now go and do the same. Now, we know this story as being the story of the Good Samaritan. There's this Jewish man walking down the road, and he's, he's beaten up. He's lying in a ditch. He's bleeding. He's probably going to die if he doesn't get some medical attention. And a, a priest and a Levite, both Jews and both part of the religious community of the day, they both wander by. The priest sees the Jewish uh, brother lying in a ditch, bleeding, but he walks on by. Because, you see, if a priest comes in contact with a dead body, he can become unclean, and he would not be able to enter the temple that afternoon. But then a Levite, who was also a, like an assistant in the temple, he goes by, also a Jew, and he doesn't do a thing, but he walks on by. But then Jesus says three words that probably caused the audience at that time their jaws to drop. He said, but a Samaritan. 
This Samaritan took pity on this Jewish guy. He took care of his wounds, he put him on his donkey, he brought him to an inn, and he paid for him to be attended to. And Jesus tells us that the Samaritan did not leave until the next day. You see, he had such great compassion for this man that he wanted to make sure that he was fully taken care of and that there were no issues that arose during the night. So he stayed with him the whole night. That was amazing compassion and pity that he had on him. I'm sure that this Samaritan man had his own agenda. He was on the road going somewhere to do something and it did not include attending to a Jewish man lying in a ditch bleeding. But he had compassion for him. He saw him. He said, this is someone who is in need. And so he went over and he attended to him. And if truth be known, if this Jewish man would have realized that he was a Samaritan, he may not have let, let him attend to him because they were so despised by the Jewish people. You see, there was 700 years of racial tension between the Jews and the Samaritans, and it all started during the uh, Jewish exile by the Assyrians. When they came in and they exiled the, the Israelites out of Jerusalem, they left a few they left a remnant of Jews there. But the Assyrians also brought over some other exiles from other nations that they had conquered and they dropped them off in Samaria. And they left all of these people there in Samaria. And these other folks that were brought in were pagans. They, were, uh, they, they worshiped other gods. They were not Jews. And so over time, the Jews and these foreigners began to intermarry. And they began to take on each other's religious beliefs. And, the, and, and so in time, they became known as the Samaritans. And the Samaritans had a blending of Jewish tradition as well as some of the, uh, the, the pagan traditions. That was their religion. But when the Israelites came back to Samaria to set up the temple, they had nothing to do with these people. They, they refused to have any interaction with these people at all. And so there was this animosity and this, this hatred that was built between the two races. You see, racism is born out of hate. And racial prejudice has always been a great divider of nations from the beginning of, uh, of, of ancient time to today. But can I tell you, this Samaritan man did not consider race when he saw this Jewish man lying in a ditch. He did not look at him and say, ah, he's a Jew. Let him die. Let somebody else take care of him. I'm not taking care of a Jew. I can tell you that. That wasn't his thought process at all. But he was overcome with pity and compassion for a, another human being. You see, it doesn't matter what race we're from, we're all part of the same race, the human race. And that's what's important because, listen, God has created us all in his likeness. And he loves the diversity of all mankind. He loves what he has created. And we should appreciate and celebrate that same difference in one another instead of 
judging and having hatred towards each other. You see, the priest and the Levite, and I'm not even going to deal with the fact that these were religious men, but the priest and Levite probably looked over and saw this man and said, if I stop and help this man, what's going to happen to me? But the Samaritan flipped the script and he said, if I don't stop and help this man, what's going to happen to him? And folks, can I tell you that that is the underlying theme of the gospel. Considering others as we would consider ourselves. Loving others as we would love ourselves. Is that not what scripture says? You see, Jesus took the Ten Commandments that Moses gave to the Israelites. God gave to Moses. Moses gave to the Israelites. And no doubt this religious expert that Jesus was talking to knew all of all of the of the law and Jesus took all of that and he brought it down to two statements love God and love others it's the great commandment and he gave it to the church and he said this is how I want you to live this is how I want you to interact with one another loving God and loving others Pastor Zach said last week that you could not do one without the other. That in order for us to love one another, to love our fellow man, the love of God has got to be inside of us. For us to truly love someone that is different from us. But when we are loving each other, can I tell you, it it just emboldens the love of God inside of us. And we fall more in love with God when we're loving other people. For those of you who helped with the, uh, the outreach, with Convoy of Hope and, and Second Harvest, didn't you feel good at the end of the day? Weren't you excited about what God had done? You were praising God in your, in your own heart because of what was taking place because we were loving others as we would love ourselves. James 2, 1 says, my dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus if you favor one person over others? In other words, how can you consider one person to be greater or more important than another? And that raises the big question that uh, we posed at the beginning, the big idea of how, do we, how can we change the world? How can the church change the world? Remember I said God is expecting us, the church, to be a main catalyst in bringing peace to all of the tension that's taking place. How can we as a church do that successfully? I'm going to give you three points that I believe the Holy Spirit's given to me to help us in doing this. And with the Holy Spirit's help, this is what we've got to do. Number one, we've got to recognize our prejudice. Now, you may think, I don't have any prejudice. But can I tell you that we all have prejudice. We've been raised with it. Prejudice means prejudging. It is a preconceived opinion that is not based on reason or actual experience. We don't need any more opinions, folks. Aren't you tired of all of the opinions that you're hearing? You turn on the, I don't even watch the news anymore, I'm, I'm sorry. If they're, you know, 
I'm, I'm binge watching NCIS right now <laughs> with my wife. I've seen it a zillion times. We're doing it again. <laughs> but the reality is we've all been raised with some prejudiced opinions that were brought forth while we were being raised, when we were growing up. Prejudice is born out of fear. Fear the unknown. I don't know what that's about. I don't know what they're about. I don't know who they are. Therefore, I'm afraid I form opinions and a prejudice takes place in our hearts. Prejudice is born out of fear and we are sinful people and we are predisposed to making wrong judgments about people. You know, it's prejudice to judge all rich people as being greedy and crooked. It's also prejudice to judge all poor people as being uneducated. And it's prejudice to, to say that all young people are lazy. Just as it is to say that all white men can't jump. <laughs> you know where I'm going here. We form prejudice in our, in our minds and in our hearts. And most of us grew up thinking certain things about certain people groups, regardless of who you are. And we have to have the courage to acknowledge it, to admit it, and to realize this was inside of us, that this is what we have conceived. Bottom line, can I tell you that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, folks, but with powers and principalities in high places. It's the agenda of the enemy to bring hatred and fear into our lives. But I want to concentrate on what the truth of God's word tells me. And this is what God says to me. Love God and love others as yourself. So we must acknowledge the prejudice that's inside of us. And it's challenging to admit those. But it takes courage. It takes integrity, it takes honesty, and it, it, causes, it, it causes us to recognize our prejudice when we do this. Once you recognize it, you got to admit it before God, and here's the big part, you got to repent. You got to move away from it. You got to say, God, I don't want this in my heart any longer. I don't want these thoughts in my mind any longer. I don't want to look at this person or that group and have this thought ever again. God, I want to love them as Christ loves the church. I want to love them as I love myself. Secondly, we got to seek to understand others. I was raised in a white, middle-class, two-parent Christian home in a white neighborhood. And I can't put myself in the place of those who were raised differently than I was and pretend that I understand who they are. And it helps me if I can have a conversation with those who aren't like me, who were raised different from me, so that I can better understand where they come from and who they are, what their life experience has been. 
We get a great example of this in John chapter four. We all know the story very well. Jesus is on his way to, from Jerusalem to Galilee and he had to go through Samaria. And he, John tells us in John chapter four, Jesus said, I have to go through Samaria. And I think it's interesting that Jesus doesn't allow his disciples to go with him here. He sends them out to get some lunch because he probably doesn't want the opposing opinions of his disciples to get in the way of what Jesus was about to do. But Jesus takes the direct route. From Jerusalem to Galilee, you got to go through Samaria. So he walks into the city of Sychar, which is part uh, of Samaria, and he walks up to a well, and there's a woman at this well, and he looks at this woman and he says, can you give me something to drink? And she is totally shocked that this Jewish man is speaking to her, a Samaritan. You see, Jesus had intentionally went into Sychar to have that conversation with that woman so that he could bridge the gap and so that he could start something that was greater than anything that that woman had ever experienced in her life, and that was salvation. Because it says that she got excited. She knew this was the Messiah. She ran back to her village and said, hey, come and listen to this man who's told me everything about my life. Truly, he's the Messiah. And remember, I told you that the Samaritans had a mixed up religion taken from pagan worship as well as Judaism. But she knew about the Messiah and she went in and she told the people in the village, they came out and Jesus began to talk with them. Matter of fact, scripture tells us he spent some time there and, people, and salvation came to many who were in that town. All because Jesus intentionally went and had a conversation with a woman who was a despised enemy in the eyes of culture. And so we've got to learn how to bridge the gap, folks. We've got to learn how to have conversations with those that are different from us. And thirdly, we've got to lo love those who are different from us. As I've said earlier, this is the great commandment. This is what we're all called to do. There's not a person alive today that God has not called you to fulfill the great commandment loving God, and loving others as yourself. You see, Scripture tells us that they'll know that we are followers of Jesus by our perfect theology. What? No? Maybe it says they'll know that we are followers of Jesus because of our church attendance. Could it be that they'll know we're followers of Jesus because we pay tithes? They'll know that we're followers of Jesus because of our, our love, which is his love. His love moving through us. You see... Romans, I mean, I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 7 tells us this. And after this, John speaking, after this I saw a, 
a vast crowd too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne of the Lamb. And they were clothed in white and held palm branches in their hands. And they were shouting with a mighty shout, Salvation comes from God, from our God on the throne and from the Lamb. And these were people from every nation and every tongue, every tribe, all standing together, united before the throne of God and for the Lamb, Jesus Christ, shouting, Salvation comes from God on the throne and from the Lamb. They were shouting salvation together. They were praising God together. This is what it is to love people who are different from us, recognizing that there are no barriers between us. God has made us all in his image. One of my favorite passages of scripture is 1 John chapter 4. 1 John 4 beginning with verse 16 it says God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in, in them. Let me just stop there. All who live in love live in God and God lives in them. Can I tell you this morning if we're living with prejudice in our hearts, we're missing that very truth of living in God. We're missing that in our life. We can tell ourselves that we love God. But we're not walking in the love of God. Because the love of God tells us something different. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. And so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we will face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here on this world. We can face God with confidence because we're living in his love. And because of that, we live here on earth just like Jesus lived. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. Perfect love gets rid of racism and prejudice. Perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear or punishment. And this shows that we are not fully experiencing his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but they hate their fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? For he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their fellow believer. Folks, the reality of how to change this world that we are living in and we can do it. Matter of fact, I think it's up to us to do it. Is that we've got to love others as we love ourselves. We've got to love our neighbor. You can't just say it. You can't just voice it. 
You got to do it. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus walked up to the leper. A man who had to walk around screaming at everyone who came close to him, unclean, unclean. And Jesus walked up to him. And he touched him. Oh, you don't ever touch a leopard? But Jesus knew the power that was within him. The power of God to bring healing and restoration to bodies. And he touched that leopard and he said, you are clean and you are healed. Jesus wasn't afraid of the things that we're afraid of. And if we're going to live like Jesus here on this world, we can't be afraid. Will you stand with me this morning? Maybe you're here this morning and the Holy Spirit spoke into your heart and has revealed to you, you know, maybe there's something in your heart that you need to consider. Something that you're prejudiced about. I want to tell you, we got to be honest with ourselves. This is inside of me. We've got to admit it before God and we got to repent. And I believe that that's where change will take place when we begin to repent and allow the Holy Spirit to take us in a different direction. Can we pray this morning? Father, we thank you, God, for your amazing love to our lives, that love, God, that transcends even our own sin, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Father, you did not uh, look at us and judge us because of the sin in our lives. You looked at us and you loved us. And you sent Jesus to be our Savior and our Lord to set the example before us of how we can be loved to this world. And we thank you for that today. Father, if there's anything inside of me this morning, God, that I need to repent of, I ask you, Holy Spirit, to show me. Reveal it to me, Holy Spirit, because I want to repent. I want to move away from that thing that would separate me from you. And I want to move in a direction, Father, that causes me to be the love of God to those around me. Father, I want to bridge gaps. And I want to see other people come to know you as Lord and Savior because of your great love for me. Father, I want them to experience what I know. And so, Father, today I ask you by your power, by your Holy Spirit, Father, that you search our hearts and help us. Help us today, O oh God, that we would be the people that you called us to be, that we would love others as you have loved us, as we love ourselves. We thank you for it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. 
And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.